Hi, I'm Matt. I'm one of our volunteer fundraisers here at Kennedy Street. Thanks for listening. Your support is greatly appreciated. Please do head over to our website, www.kennedystreetcio.org, for information on how you could be involved in future fundraising campaigns or how you can donate to this great cause. There we go. Look, I'm getting better at this, better and better every week. Hi, everybody. My name's Claire Kennedy, um, and welcome to our Kennedy Street Live talk. Um, these chats are called Hashtag Recovery Talks, and um, yeah, who are we? So I'm Claire Kennedy. I run a charity, a small charity in Brighton called Kennedy Street CIO, and we currently run a national recovery connect helpline. So people ring us up and we connect people, people to resources, recovery resources in their local vicinity. And um, we, we signpost and we support, we offer additional support, telephone support as well, um, for those that are interested in recovery. And yeah, we want to, these talks are really to just inform you as to what's available in your local communities or sort of places to start your journey. We aren't drug or behaviour specific. We cover all all routes to recovery from all addictive behaviours, so from substances to behaviours as well. And yeah, we've got a great guest speaker today, Ian. Um, I'll let Kevin, my gorgeous husband, my sidekick there, um, introduce himself, uh, who will then introduce Ian. So over to you, Kevin Bear. Hello, 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 hello. My name's Kevin Kennedy. I hope you're well. Uh, for those of you who might be listening to on the podcast, podcast, podcast. Um, I played Curly Watts in Coronation Street for many years, so you can maybe put a face to the uh, dulcet tones. Uh, I am uh, the patron of Kennedy Street, uh, and uh, my lovely wife Claire's just uh, said I was the voice of reason and uh, called me Kevy Bear. Which is first, which means obviously I have either done something wrong or it might be all right. Anyway, I digress. Uh, as you know, here at Kennedy Street, we deal with all kinds of different sorts of uh, addiction. And today we are talking to Ian, uh, Ian Samuel, who uh, has been a pathological gambler and in the last 20 years as a treatment provider uh, with a. Um, with a charity that he started in 2001, and it's called Break Even. So without further ado, um, Ian's going to tell us a little bit about himself and his charity. It's over to you. Hi, thanks very much. Yeah, Break Even, as you said, Kevin, was started um, in 2001. Um, we're a partner of GANCARE, um, which is the National Centre for Treatment and Education for anybody affected by problem gambling. Um, break even operate over the south of England, and we have offices all the way, um, which we see people face to face when we're allowed to. At the moment, obviously, we're working remotely because of lockdown. Um, so we work on a Teams platform form or any video conference platforms, and obviously on the telephone. And our offices, we range from basically all the way from Eastbourne all the way up to Skegness. So we're in Kent, Essex, um, Norfolk, etc., etc. Um, we see in the region of two to 300 new 
people that refer to us every single month. Um, and one of the most important things about break even is we we act, we react very quickly if you refer to us. We don't have waiting lists. We have plenty of people that can help you. And most importantly is we're not only there for the problem gambler, um, we're also there for anybody that's affected by problem gambling. So our motto is to minimise gambling-related harm to anybody that's experiencing it. My background um, for starting break even is born out of a lived experience. I spent too many years, 20 to 30 years, as a problem gambler. And when I say that, it's um, I think that's a bit unique because... In my day, there wasn't the internet and there wasn't apps on your phone where you could gamble 24-7. So I had to really find problem gambling and had to work really hard at it um, because you had to go to racetracks when they're open, to betting shots when they're open, casinos open and shut. Now we live in a world of virtual reality, don't we, where um, gambling is 24-7 and you can gamble on any devices you've got. Um, so when I said I was a problem gambler 20, 30 years, I think if I had the same traits now, I probably wouldn't survive a weekend because you never have to stop. Um, and up until recently, you could gamble on credit cards. Um, you can. There's nothing you really you can't gamble on. Um, there's so many online bookmakers. There's so many adverts on TV. I'm sure we've all seen them. Um, so people very easily get hooked into gambling. I was hooked into it just through greed. I worked in the city. Um, I was one of the original yuppies in the 70s. Um, and because I was playing with big company money, I sort of transpired to play my own money in a similar sort of way. Um, I wanted to be the richest man on the planet, um, kept it very hidden, and lost everything, um, including family, businesses, um, and, and ultimately my self-respect. And sadly, um, I'll call myself a survivor of suicide because I got so low, um, that was something I, I contemplated as well. Um, but back to the, that was then, and this is now, which is one of my favourite sort of sayings. Um, I'm very proud to um, have been set up, having set up break even, being a partner of Gamcare, and offering help and support to anybody that needs us. Why can't I hear you? Oh, hang on a minute. I lost me. I lost me. Oh. For a second. Thank you, Ian. That's amazing. Um, and, and you know what I do? I, I think they're so powerful, these types of projects, when they come from lived experience. Yeah. Like our projects are lived experience project. We're a, a, like a, like themselves, a peer-led charity. Um, so, so... I mean, your story, and you, you talk about, you know, um, your family affected, and, and how did... So what sort of things did you lose? We're looking really for identification well, for the um, people that are looking. What, what, what I, is gambling? What with gambling, obviously, I lost a lot of money. I lost everything I had and everything I managed to borrow or get hold of, in inverted commas. Um, I lost time with loved ones, um, wife, children, um, work colleagues, um, to be a compulsive gambler, which I was, you have to be a compulsive liar. And um, one of my friends sort of summed me up that he always knew when I was lying because my lips were moving. Um, um, gambling is what they call the hidden addiction. So until uh, monetary problems start to arise, um, nobody really knows you've got an addiction, you've got a problem with gambling um, because you just lie. Um, and during my time as a problem gambler, um, the postman was my best friend because I always used to meet him coming up the street before he delivered the bad news for another unpaid bill. 
Um, so you, I would beg still and borrow to keep myself in it um, and just chase losses and spend every waking moment looking at where my next bet was going to be to get myself out of the trouble I've dug myself into. So, so initially, did it start taking... Because like with... Um, alcoholism it, it, it is it's really subtle at the beginning it's sort of it removes things sort of like quietly and then it starts ripping chunks out of you doesn't it so is that is that pretty much what happened for you yeah pretty much i mean it's not always the case but in my case um my problem escalated once i had a very big win i won an obscene amount of money in a casino in south end when i was sort of 18 19 um and because it had happened once, I then started thinking that, well, who needs to go to work? Although well, I had a very good job in the city, this is easy. I could just go to the casino once or twice a week and become a multi-millionaire and who needs to work? And it sucks you in because if you've had that feeling, you start chasing that feeling. Um, but eventually it just totally consumes you and um, that your whole life is consumed by gambling. I mean, one of the things I often say now is I can't actually believe that my whole life used to evolve around who's going to win the 330 at Newmarket. And that was literally what it was all I really cared about. And I had, you know, I had a wife, I had kids, I had businesses, I had a job. I lost, I lost two houses through it. Um, and all you keep doing is kidding yourself that eventually you're going to have that big, another big win to get yourself back in it. But with gambling, you know, the reason I was a problem game for so long because I did have lots of wins that sort of got me out of trouble, to use that sort of language. Um, but you never seem to pay back everything you owe. Um, that gives you an excuse to carry on in the game, you know, because you just think the next bet's going to win. Where gab is so different, as you were talking about drugs and alcohol, number one, you can't see it because there's no visual signs. Um, and the other thing is the very thing that got you into gambling is often the thing that you think is going to get you out of it. So you know if you're an alcoholic or a drug addict, another fix or another drink's not going to solve your problem. But with gambling, a lot of gamblers often think, well, the only way out of this problem, I can't afford what I've lost, I might as well carry on, find some money somewhere, then when it wins, we're, we're all okay. But as with most addictions, that's not really the case. Yeah, so, so interesting. So, so interesting. Have you got any addictions, Kev? Yeah, I'm, I see, I'm not, I have many, many vices, but gambling was never one of them. Um, I was just mentioned before, like the, the old boys in the pub in the tap room uh, used to sit there and, and like be glued to the racing, and that looked pretty harmless. I mean, would you say that was harmless, or was that what is that? It can, where it, depends, or... it can be harmless for some, like with gambling. I mean, mm. there's some figures out there, some surveys and studies and prevalent studies where they say there's upwards of half a million or 600,000 problem gamblers. Not everybody who gambles develops a problem. Most people who gamble probably lose their money because that's what gambling does to you. But many people gamble responsibly. Um, so, yeah, any form of gambling, or most forms of gambling, can be okay if you've got discipline and control. But if you start spending money you haven't got and you start chasing money you haven't got and borrowing and lying and stealing to finance it, then obviously any form of gambling can become a problem. And does and where's the where's the buzz in it though? I mean, you know, you're placing up is the is the buzz actually winning, and is the downer where you? It's also Kevin. It's, it's not only the winning; it's the pre-contemplation. Because yeah. sometimes so much work goes into having a bet. Um, if you take um, golf or football, you know we know who's going to be playing at the weekend. We know who's going to be in a golf competition. So it's that um, adrenaline rush of working out 
why is gonna who's gonna win? If you go to I mean when we could go to pubs and when the pubs reopen, you'll find on a Saturday on a Sunday with the football on the television, everybody talking about who they fancy, what team they bet, what team they didn't do. And it, one thing we've done in this country, we've really normalised gambling. We've all we've all been all over the world, I presume, and people that have been away, how many places have you been around the world where you walk down a high street and nearly every other shop is a betting shop or full of casinos? Um, I remember, you know, one of the things I always say when I talk to people is, I remember when I was at school um, learning Napoleon said we're a nation of shopkeepers. I think he was alive today, so we're a nation of gamblers because we've really normalised gambling in this country. And also, we're the only country in the world where you can gamble legally from the age of 16 with lottery and scratch cards. And again, not everybody buys a lottery ticket or scratch card has got a problem, but some people can develop a problem without discipline and control and affordability. Would you say this is like the fault of, like, like for example, the casinos? I mean, I love a casino, not for gambling. It's just a, if I'm on tour, it's a perfect place to get some decent food, which is yeah. really cheap. And you can watch the football, um, yeah. you know, which in some pubs you can't get City or yeah. whatever. So yeah. you usually be able to find a screen in, in, a, in a casino and you can get yeah. food. And, and it's good yeah. food it's, and it's relatively cheap. So would you, would you lay the blame firmly on, on and they are beautiful places. I, I, uh, I, no, I think some of the, I think some of the operators out there. Um, one thing I've seen in my time, you know, as times evolved, is there's a lot of irresponsible gambling tools on a lot of these sites. Um, there's a big, there's a big buzzword called responsible gambling and safer gambling. We're actually in safer gambling week this week, um, and there are lots of tools and strategies to keep people safe. However, some of the companies are really. Um, Toxic. Some of the games are really addictive, and a lot of research goes into getting games that are really addictive. I don't know if you're aware, but very recently, over the last, I think about the last two years, um, the fixed odds betting terminals, which were in betting shops, which is a highly addictive fruit machine game, like playing roulette on a machine, mm. um, they actually had to lower the limit because people were really getting into lots of trouble with these machines. So the way gambling's evolved, that one man's meets another man's poison. Like some people can go in a pub and can have a couple of lagers, but they drink spirits. It's a big problem with them. You know, with gambling, there's so many different things you can gamble on. Some some get, some forms of gambling are safe for people, and some are highly addictive for people. They run into trouble with them. So, um, yeah, and also with the casinos and the betting shops now, they're places of leisure. And I totally buy into what you're saying. I think casinos, if you if you you know, you don't even have to bet in a casino. You can go and have a cheap meal. You can watch the football. You can have a couple of drinks if that's your fancy. And if you do gamble, if you gamble responsibly within a set limit, there's nothing wrong with it. What yeah. we're talking about, and the people we're identifying, is the people that's, that suffer a gambling-related harm, you know, whether it be the gambler or somebody that's affected by it. Because like any addiction, Kevin, I'm sure most people are aware of this, that if you've got an addiction yourself, it affects up to... 10 or 12 people in your life. So those people need help and support. And we, we term them the affected other, which I don't really like that name. But it's really important to make sure that what we offer is there for people that are affected by somebody else's addiction as well. And what about, would you say, um, alcohol and drugs? Does that go hand in hand? I mean, presumably, if you're a gambler and, and you take a, a yeah, few... Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly can. It doesn't always. But we see, you know, I think the word they call it is comorbidity, where you've got more than one addiction or you do more than one thing too many times. And we do see a lot of that. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's a bit of the chicken and egg situation because 
are people gambling too much because they're drunk? Or are they getting drunk because they've just lost money they can't afford? Or are they taking drugs because they can't deal with the effects of the gambling? So it all goes hand in hand. You never know which one to address, which one's more important. Um, but there is evidence out there that if you try and address everything at the same time, it often works better. Yeah, that makes sense. just a vicious cycle of, of addiction, no yeah. matter what you're involved in. So when yeah. people come to you for help, and we've got all your details here now across the bottom of the screen, well, when they come to you for help, what, what's your first port of call? How, do, how would you approach these people that come to see you? Well, the first thing we'll do is listen to them, because gambling is very much, um, when I say it's a hidden addiction, um, we get some people that come to us that have never spoken about it before because they're embarrassed. There's a stigma with gambling. They, they're they embarrassed about what they've done to the people they love. They're embarrassed about the debt they might be in. So we listen to them. We don't judge them. And we will offer them immediate assessment um, because we've got a really big team. So we can, you know, if somebody's big enough and brave enough to reach out to us, we want to see you today. We will assess you today and we will offer you an appointment with one of our practitioners um, either tomorrow or whenever you can fit it in. Um, we work with you. Um, our sort of motto is to not under-treat and not over-treat, and we try and get you where in a place where you're not suffering gambling-related harm, whether you be the gambler or you're involved with a, somebody that's um, a compulsive gambler. So there's no end to, to the support. I mean, it's not like in some cases people go, oh, we'll give you two counselling sessions as if that's going to... <laughs> it's it's it, no, it's, it's tailor made to the individual, Claire. You know, our motto is don't overtreat, don't undertreat. Um, once you join Break Even, we, we'll have follow ups with you. We'll check on how you're doing, because we have a fantastic um, uh, success rate. Um, as part of GameCamp, we we've got eighty percent improvements in the clinical scores we see. And I know sometimes people can hide behind evaluation sheets, but seventy to eighty percent at least. Um, suffer less gambling-related harm when they leave us when when they come to us, and they sort of then become part of the break-even or gam care family. They can communicate with a helpline. There'd be relapse prevention meetings. We'll do follow-ups to make sure you're okay. So yeah, you're part of us, and it's not time restricted. It's not forever. It's not going on forever. And sometimes we, it might be beyond beyond our pay grade, beyond our training. I mean, we're specialised in and very efficient in what we do, but sometimes, especially if people are presenting with different mental health problems that uh, we can't deal with, we'll refer on to people and make sure they get the help they need, coupled with what we can give them. Okay, so that was going to be one of my next questions. So um, so somebody rings up, and they've got a real big issue, they've had a lifelong issue with gambling, they've tried your counselling, they've tried going to, you know, the 12-step the, the fellowship and other things that are out there, and it, it, there's just no end to this, and yeah. Yeah. at the point that they need rehabilitation, yeah. what next? What, what, so they ring you, and what happens then? So break even a part of, um, when I say we're a partner of gambling, we're also part of what is called the National Gambling Treatment Service. Um, and that we're all the people that are funded by Gambler Aware, and I'm sure people have seen Gambler Aware when watching the football and all these adverts come up. So another part of Gambler Aware um, is an organisation called the Gordon Moody Association, mm-hmm. um, which incidentally that's where I went to address my addiction in the 1998, and that's the only free residential gambling centre um, in the country. Um, they have two places where they have their houses where people can go, one in Dudley in the West Midlands and one in Beckenham in Kent. And 
as I said, it's free residential treatment. Um, they've also got um, smaller treatment centres for both men and women, and that is where it's living, and it's it's exactly start going to any residential centre. But the great news for gamblers is it's funded and it's free. Because the obvious reason for gambling, like our treatment is funded, because um, we wouldn't be seeing too many people if gamblers had to come and pay for their treatment, because by the time they get to us, they've often not got much money left, <laughs> if anything. Yeah. So it's, it's free, is it, this? Um, yeah. So you're... It's free. It's free. But one of the things we often say, and anybody listening to this is, um, some people sometimes think, oh, it's free, so it can't be any good. Um, number one, we're very highly trained, and we've, we, all we do is work with problem gambling. But anybody that does come to us, if they look at the amount of debt they've been in, the amount of money they've lost through gambling, or the amount of hardship they've had through gambling, and if they then equate that to maybe five, six, or seven sessions they have with us, it then works out a very expensive form of treatment, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, when you put it like that, yeah, it's cost them almightily, hasn't it? Sorry, Kev, yes. did you pass something? Did you, is the, do you, in your opinion, um, what are the government doing, and do you think the government is, is doing enough? Should we be tackling more... More gambling. I mean, are children starting to gamble more at school and the rest of it? Well, with gaming and gambling, I mean, there's been some studies out recently where we're identifying there could be up to fifty-five to sixty thousand children <clears throat> between the age of sort of twelve and fifteen developing a gambling problem. <clears throat> um, the government are starting to do more. Can more be done? Most definitely. One of the things we're going to see very, very quickly, as soon as and hopefully. Um, Brexit and this pandemic gets sorted, um, there's going to be a new gambling app, which is the first time since 2005. And hopefully, Kev, a lot of these things will be addressed. Um, the one thing that certainly needs to be addressed sooner rather than later is affordability of people that are gambling online. Um, I think I said earlier, if you um, apply for a credit card, we're all means checked. Um, yeah. yeah, you can you can go online today and open up a gambling account with any company you want, you're not means checked. You can gamble money you've got, money you haven't got. Um, the good thing is there are some tools that you can you can put money limits on, time limits on. But often people are unaware of them. So we need something where it's sort of enforced. Um, we need to look at some of the games that are, are really designed to be addictive. Um, we need to look at spend. We look look at the time people spend on, and we need to really jazz up this whole um, safer gambling campaign to make sure that people. Um, can only lose what they can afford to lose. It's going to—it's a long step in motion. There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. There's a lot of people active on social media um, to try and make sure that the industry and the operators, especially, um, are going to act more responsibly and discourage people developing a problem. And hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll see the fruits of that over the next year, two years, etc. Yeah, that would make perfect sense, wouldn't it? So, 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 what you're saying is the government are going to bring in legislation, or that they should bring in le- legislation? No, they, they are. They, it's definitely on the agenda. The last gambling act was in 2005. Now, if you think about that, the last gambling act, there wasn't really online gambling and gambling on mobile phones and gambling on apps. So, it really needs to be updated to protect the consumer um, and to work closely with the industries to make sure that we discourage and things are in place to stop this. Toxicity, though, sometimes people are chasing people um, to have bets. Um, how many adverts are there on television for 
for gambling. And it's, it's ludicrous. It's got to saturation point. I mean, there's big campaigns to stop advertising on football shirts. You know, when you say, is it for kids? People that love football watch it on television. They're seeing all these gambling firms advertise on the shirts. Um, they can gamble from the age of 16. They can buy scratch cards from the age of 16. They can go to arcades where we live in Brighton. We can go down the arcade, play the penny machine. So, We've got to get away from edu teaching our children that there's nothing wrong with gambling. This, gambling's fine if you've got discipline control, but we need to make people aware of the dangers. And we're, we're working more towards preventative rather than cure. You know, we're into hopefully curing and treatment. But we also, when I said we work with the people we work with, um, there's also probably around over 2 million people in this country that are at risk of developing a problem gambling. So those are the sort of people that need to come forward more quickly because we don't want everybody to finish up, you know, telling stories like I told, where often the time you come forward, it, it's not, it's, hopefully it's never too late, but you've lost so much it's very hard to pick yourself up again. And what about the, um, the, the probably thousands, if not millions, of old ladies who go to the bingo? Um, is that is that a new area of, of addiction, or is, is that just... It's not a new area, and again, um, we work, we've started to work with a lot more ladies, a lot more women, because one thing about gambling, it's got no bias. It doesn't matter what colour or creed you are, um, how old you are, it will take your money um, in the same way. And a lot of people use gambling, like any other addiction, for escape. So, you know, we... You have some men and women that will gamble for escape, go to casinos, sit on machines all day long. And again, if there's no discipline and control and you can't afford what you're losing, then you're going to develop a problem. So, as I said earlier, anything you gamble on, if you haven't got discipline and control, you're not setting limits and making it affordable, you're going to develop a problem with it because people do escape into gambling. What often happens with these people is you... You've got a problem that you want to escape from. So you escape the gambling because it can be so exciting, especially online, on the casinos, all the buzzing lights. But what happens? You then start gambling more than you can afford to lose. And gambling sort of becomes just a bigger problem as the one you're trying to escape from. And you haven't even addressed the problem you're trying to escape from. So that's the sort of thing we're trying to help you, you know, work with. And just to identify um, and keep you safe from gambling. And most of the people come to us <clears throat> need to abstain. The very small minority might be able to control it by putting in certain tools. But if you haven't got discipline and control and you're not aware of what you're spending, then it can be a very dangerous path to go down. Because suicide is, unfortunately, within gambling, it's got the highest rate of any addiction for suicide, ideation, and actual suicide. And we've seen some and heard some real horrendous stories around that. And is there a template we should be following? I mean, I've noticed on my travels, some, some places in America, it's absolutely it's illegal. It's illegal to gamble at any time. Uh, or... America's just joined, um, joined the real world with gambling. And up until recently, um, there was only two places in the world you could gamble legitimately in, in America. That was Vegas and Atlantic City. Now, online gambling has come to America big time. Um, so no place in the world is safe from online gambling because, you know, there's everyone's got... Um, operators that gamble either that are regulated or unregulated all over the world um, and you can gamble anywhere you can gamble any time of the day and um, i think what we need to do is just be aware that there is help out there to look for the signs um, the signs are um, changing behaviors not being able to pay debts loss of contact with people feeling very down feeling very depressed one of our bugbears with gamblers is if you go to your doctor and you say you're depressed or you haven't got any money and stuff like that, you'll often be screened for 
um, drug or alcohol problems. It's very rare you'll be screened for gambling addiction or gambling problems. So this is where we need to use platforms like this to get the word out there that there is help out there. There's so many avenues of help. There's, you know, the National Gambling Treatment Service, which we're part of. There's the anonymouses. Um, there's various helplines. There's so much help out there. We just need to educate people and make them aware and pick up the phone or send us an email and ask for help before it's too late and don't be embarrassed. It's all confidential. Um, we're not going to be telling anybody. All we're going to be doing is trying to help you make better decisions, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I do a lot of training in the workplace, so in the corporate sector. So I do a lot of like early intervention training around mental well-being and connecting people to solutions in the community. And um, I'm not going to lie, I've seen more and more people come forward. So people can come forward to me. If I'm delivering training in the workplace, I give everybody a business card and they can connect to me anonymously. They don't have to tell the line manager that they're connecting to me. And then what I do is I connect them to resources like yours. But I am getting a lot of a lot more women. I don't know if it's because they're connecting with me on a personal level, but I am getting a lot more women coming forward. Are you finding that you're getting more females engaging in this activity? or 100%. 100%, Claire. <clears throat> Gamecare itself have got a big project um, to um, make women aware that we're there for women just as much as we are for men. Um, since the advert of remote gambling, online gambling, gambling on your phones, gambling whatever you know device you've got, we're seeing more and more women. Um, if we go back to you know the early days when I was a gambler, Betting shops were a really seedy place. Casinos weren't very inviting, like Kevin was saying. You weren't really going there for a meal or to watch the football. These places are places of leisure now, so they're welcoming and getting more people in. And now there's online gambling. There's no stigma about a woman going into a betting shop or going to a casino because they can do it all online from the comfort of their own home. They've got the anonymity they like. And just like anybody else, women have started to gamble on all the different forms of gambling that there are. Um, and again, I suppose for most, they can afford what they lose, but we're seeing more and more women present for treatment for actually gambling-related harm, whereas years ago, most of the women that came forward were ones that were affected by someone else's gambling. But now more and more women gamble for the same reasons men do, and sometimes for different reasons, of whatever trauma they may or may not be going through. Um, and it's just so easy to do. While I'm on the, you know, doing this for you guys, I could pick up my phone and say, it's just got to do an email. I could actually have a bet if I wanted to. I could yeah. be on a live casino. It's so easy and you can't see it. Um, and, you know, it's instant access to, you know, you could probably bet on a live sporting event anywhere in the world at any time of day. So that's what that I'm finding more and more, and I'm getting more HR professionals as well. So um, not so much these days because I run the charity full-time, but before I run the charity, I used to do a lot of case management in the workplace, oh. and I would get a lot of cases around problematic computer use. It used to always come in as that. And what would be revealed after some some um, sitting down and talking about what the issue was with the client is that they were gambling at work whilst at the desk and they've been caught by their um, superior, their line manager. And, and um, obviously, once they investigated a little bit further, they've realised that actually a lot of their time has been taken up whilst they're at work gambling. 
Yeah, well, we've seen a lot of that, Claire. And one thing that people are doing now to get away from that, because, you know, everything's got a history, isn't it? So it, 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 people, it, um, the owners of these companies and the bosses and managers can easily go into history and find that someone's been doing that. <clears throat> so what we're finding people are doing now are just taking their phone in, and when no one's looking, they're doing it on their phone because they're not. that's not a work phone. Or, so it's so easy, it's so accessible. You know, as I keep going on about it, it's 24 7. Um, so you really need to, you know, look at how much you're gambling, look at the time you're spending gambling, look at, because you just ex- it described that, you know, it's not just the money you lose. You know, this, these, we got men and women supposed to be at work spending most of the day gambling online on a computer or on their phone. Um, you know, it, it, it's really hard. But the same way with gaming, you know, because gaming and gambling are very much linked together now. And especially yeah. during lockdown, the number of people that, you know, ha- are forced to work from home, don't know what to do with their time, can't even go out, can't meet friends, and they, they're getting on their computers and either gaming or gambling, um, which might start off a little bit of fun at first. But then, as you know, once you get over-consumed and so involved in it, um, it can Have lead to a lot of increase over the, uh, over the pandemic? Yeah, I've seen them. We hear a massive increase. I think I can never put my finger on that, Kev. Is it because more people are doing it, or is it because more people are aware of our services? So there's always that sum to do. But yeah, more people are gambling, more people are being targeted to gamble. Um, and, you know, especially since football's come back on telly, you know, there's a live match nearly every single day. You've got the European games, you've got. There's so many sport events you can gamble on. And if you're stuck at home, you know, people can't go out to eat. They can't go out for a leisurely drink at the pub. So everybody's sitting home in front of their screens or watching telly or watching sport events. And, of course, coupled with that, every two minutes, uh, an advert's coming up. It matters more if you've had a bet, have a bet, and this are the odds for that. And you know, One of the stories I always tell is uh, Ray Winston, um, who advertises for one of the very well-known gambling companies. My kids think he's a tipster. I don't even realise he was an actor. Because all you ever see is advertising one of the gambling companies and what odds somebody is to score the next goal or get sent off or get booked. Um, How interesting. How interesting. So, so, okay, so it is a massive problem. I know it's a massive problem. You know it's a massive problem. And, um, and more and more people that watch these types of shows that are becoming available um, are starting to learn a lot more. So if there's any partners, men or women, um, now I ask this question because I know many, many years ago when Kev was really, really poorly, I my tactics to try to help Kev to get the help that he needed weren't very productive. I thought I could nag him into getting help and threaten to leave him into getting help. And what I realised when I got the right support was that that tactic just fueled his addiction. And in fact, the shame and guilt that he felt himself, it just compounded it. Every time I moaned at him and threatened to leave him and all of the threats that I made... They just made him feel worse about the situation. So if there's any wives or husbands out there, or partners of people who've got a gambling addiction or problematic gamble, gambling, what would your suggestions be as a starting point? To, to talk to people, to listen to people, and to offer help and support where you can. Um, often the addict obviously causes distress um, and hurts the people around him. But you just need to try and have a bit more understanding, try and get a bit more in the addict's frame of reference into his thinking. And 
one good thing in the society we live in now, it's really accepted to get help and it's not seen as a weakness to ask for help. And if we can actually encourage people to get help and get the right help and support, rather than, we've got a similar system, haven't we, in the prisons. You know, you commit a crime, throw them into prison, lock the door, don't offer them any support to get back into society. This is very much similar, similar scenario. We know addicts upset people. We know addicts break every law. We know addicts are unreliable. We know what it does to people around them. We just need to really work hard to try and understand what's going on in their world and believe if they get the right help and support, like Kevin, like myself, we can turn the corner and live a fruitful life again. But being told you're no good and being told you this and being shouted at and being threatened, it never works. It just sends you back into your shell and makes you want to do things more because it makes you feel even less worthless and you're feeling the time of being addicted to something. Yeah, I'm I'm just scrolling across the bottom as you're talking. I've obviously put your information up there, but I'm also posting some um, additional support from Gammonon and from Gamblers Anonymous, and there's lots of yeah. really useful resources out there that I will put up on the face on yeah. the Facebook um, comments page. Um, yeah, no, it's um, for me personally, it was critical that I got the right kind of support because with all the love in the world and all the family and friends in the world, none of them really understood what I was going through and often would say things that that they thought were helpful, but really they didn't understand at all. You're so right because that is why we really have a high focus and I've been speaking a lot today about working with the affected other. Because what we're offering the affected other is somewhere where you can shout, scream, say whatever you want, offload, and we will work with that and we will um, help help you with that and help you express what feelings are going on. And then we will also try and help you help you in ways where you can then empower and help the person you're trying to help. Um, rather than doing the shout and scream to him, you can do the shout and screaming to us guys because that's what we're there for, to help you offload. And we can help you see ways that we can... Exp- we can explore strategies and interventions and ways you can maybe encourage people to come forward for treatment. Or at the very end of the day, we can actually offer you some strategies and interventions that you could maybe help help with, with somebody that's addicted to something. So that's why it's so important that, you know, we, we at Break Even and at Gamecam, we use what we call a recovery model. And that is really about building networks of people and finding out people in people's networks that could be the most help to somebody in recovery. And we've all got somebody, and sometimes we're not even aware who they are. Yeah, we, we use exactly the same model of care. So the whole purpose of what we do when people ring us up, the recovery model of care is at the heart of everything that we do. So we use the connections that are amazingly available, freely available often in the community um, that people just don't know about yet. I mean, you know, so so if somebody's in an area that, that you don't cover and they, they're watching this now and they think, I don't really know where to start... Could they start by giving you a ring and you could signpost them to somewhere near, near them? 1,000%. Um, anybody talks to us, if it's not within our remit, um, the odds are, you know, excuse the gambling pun, um, the odds are that we can refer them to somebody that can give them the help they need. We have a really big database. Um, we're quite well known in lots of the areas, local areas where we work, and if we don't know, we will find out for you. That's amazing, amazing. Well, I mean, I, I feel reassured knowing that there, are, that, that there are people like you in the community that people can start their journey with 
um, and not feel judged. And family members as well, because I'm passionate about family recovery. I harp on about it every week because it's so, for me, it was so, so important that I understood what Kev was trying to, how Kev was trying to help himself and the, and the effects that these people that he was meeting, I didn't know how they yeah. were trying to help. So it was really important that I was informed as a family member of how this new sort of education worked because it wasn't really yeah, and it's very important, Claire. And the reason we, you know, we want to work with the people that are affected by it is because we understand the hurt, what's going on for them, how they feel betrayed, etc., etc., etc. And that by in being engaged with people to let them deal with that and address that, that can then make us all better to help the people that we need to help. Amazing. We've got a great comment here off the lovely Martin Davies, who runs a fabulous project called Sober is Fun. If you've never heard about it, Ian, you need to you need to have a, have a Google search. He's a great guy. And he said, break even in Chelmsford, Essex, saved me from a huge gambling addiction. Thank you so much for your support. So, That's music to my ears. Brilliant. Thanks for the feedback, Martin. Isn't that right? And he is, honest to God, he was one of the nicest men you'll ever meet. And I'm sure he was a lovely man before he got help for his addiction. But yeah. what cover he's given him is a new lease of life. And he uses all of his amazing gifts to bring a lot of joy to a lot of people. Um, yeah, and yeah. I just want to say thank you, Ian, for coming on and, and sharing your story, because that's never easy. And no. uh, I'm sure that uh, anyone who listens to this who will will take a lot from it. And uh, and hopefully, because I, I do believe that gambling is on the up, uh, um, a problem gambling. And, uh, and, and again, thank you for coming on today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ian. It's an absolute joy to have you. Um, we've got a few com- comments coming through. And uh, what I will do, I'll, I'll keep resharing this. And Ian will share it on his websites too. And, and people keep viewing it and we ask other people that watch it to share it because the way we look at this is that absolutely beautiful resource to share the message of hope um, that people can and do get better. Um, and they don't have to do it on their own. They can tap into amazing resources. Absolutely. Kevin, so, I've got to say one thing before I go is um, my family massive Coronation Street fan, so... <laughs> They certainly enjoyed some of your time years ago. So thank you very much. Kind. They'd be thrilled to see you looking so good and well. Yeah, I'm good. I'm all right. Thank you. Yeah, he's a lovely man. It's changed our lives. Recovery's changed our lives, and that's why we're passionate about, especially visible, making recovery visible and helping people understand that there are an amazing plethora of amazing resources that people can tap into. Well, it's just amazing, you know. The you get platforms like this and you spread the word because all we want to do is make sure everybody's okay, isn't it? You know, um, and it's just fantastic. And everybody, you know, likes of us know, Kevin, don't we, that recovery is such a different life and that's what we need everybody to believe in. And recovery is a possibility for nearly everybody, if not everybody. Yeah, including family members. It's absolutely, absolutely, absolutely there for them. And if you've got any questions, you can ring us or you can ring break even. If you've got any questions about anything to do with recovery, you might not even know where to start. But do you know something? In my experience, starting with a conversation is a really good place to start. You know, just hearing yourself actually say, I need help. I don't know what to do. 
often is the very, very first step of the beginning of the journey. So, yeah, reach out to Dan if you, if you are worried or concerned. And, and for gambling, one thing I just want to say is the best place to start is the National Gambling Helpline, um, which is a free number. It's open 24-7, um, yeah, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. That's I'm a great place to start. Yeah. I might and from there, Claire, people then get referred to their local partner agencies. So if you're in the south of England, in Essex or Kent, you'd be referred to break even. If not, there's places like Beacon up north. Um, Tagamka's got 15, 16 partners, but the National Helpline number, that's the best one to give out uh, because that's for the whole of the country. I'm just looking at all my little things that I've got on my uh, picker tapes. But what I'll do is I'll look that up, that information, and then we'll put it into this conversation. So yeah, if anybody wants to start their journey, they can start there. So thank yeah. you so much, Ian, for coming along and sharing your message of um, hope. Um, and, yeah, I would love you to come back sometime. So in the future, maybe next year, let us know how. Whatever. Lovely to meet you, Ian. All the very Take best. Care. Take care, Bye. guys. Keep up the great work you're doing. Brilliant. Bye. 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 Hi, I'm Matt. I'm one of our volunteer fundraisers here at Kennedy Street. Thanks for listening. Your support is greatly appreciated. Please do head over to our website, www.kennedystreetcio.org, for information on how you could be involved in future fundraising campaigns or how you can donate to this great cause.